0: Hi there. Do you know what your anxiety profile is? Me, I was a besieged panicker. We often say that the first step to reversing anxiety is to understand it. And that's why we've created a tool to help you discover your anxiety profile. And it's totally free. In about 90 seconds, you'll receive your customized anxiety profile. And it will answer so many questions you've probably been struggling with, including, am I going crazy? And why me? So if you haven't yet, pause this episode and head to lifefreeofanxiety.com slash profile or click the link in the show notes. I promise you'll get a lot more out of this and every episode once you know your anxiety profile. And now, on to the show. Okay, we are back. Um, weird time in the world still. What is this, our seventh week, sixth week, whatever it is. it is, it's flown by and it's been slow at the same time. It's very strange, but I hope you're doing well. I hope you're healthy and everything is going to go back to normal for you at some point and me, (laughs) hopefully. Um, We have a great episode today. It is about your first panic attack. So a lot of us had that one panic attack that really sticks out in our mind. I know the date of mine. Um, I know around what time it was, and you'll hear Dr. Barr does too you probably have experienced something similar where all of a sudden the world kind of stopped making sense. You had fear come over you and it was kind of a defining moment where from there on out things just seemed different and you weren't sure what happened. We're going to make sense of that uh, for you in this episode with Dr. Barr. He's going to break down why that happens, (laughs) because it's really scary. And I know I was terrified when it happened to me and I had no explanation for so many years of why everything changed one day. So let's get to that good stuff ahead. I wish I had heard this episode way back when my first attack happened. And then we are going to be putting a free resource in your hands really soon. It's a book. It's a really good book. And the author of that book, Facin, is going to be back with us next week uh, talking about what's in the book. And trust me, it is, again, something I wish I had had way back when. It's going to really break down your uh, anxiety problems everywhere from A to Z, basically. So it's a super relatable book. As you know, Facin had her own long bout of anxiety for 13 years um, and then she was able to overcome it completely. So she co-wrote this book with Ann Seagrave, and it's just great stuff. It goes hand in hand with the program we're coming out with soon for you guys, the change program. So let's get to the episode. And don't forget, you can get our relaxation audio always for free at lifefreeofanxiety.com slash relaxed, especially if you're having a hard time sleeping or you know, whatever's going on these days, stressful situations with a, with the kids at home and just feeling like you can't get away and there's too much stress in the world. <laughs> just go to lifefreeofanxiety.com slash relax for that and do these several times a day because they will help you. I am definitely doing mine a couple times a day right now as stress kind of seems to pick up. Remember to rate us if you think this is a good podcast, which I hope you do. You can rate us wherever you're listening to us. Shoot us an email at erica@lifefreeofanxiety.com, at or find us on Instagram or Twitter and Facebook, and feel free to ask your questions or comments or whatever. We will get right back to you. Okay, time for the episode. Welcome to the Life Free of Anxiety podcast, where each week we'll bring you another discussion to help you on your way to overcoming your fears. I'm Erica, and together with Dr. Charles Barr, a licensed clinical psychologist specializing in anxiety, will be your guides on this journey. Because you are not broken, you are not alone, and you are on your way to living a life free of anxiety. All right, back with Dr. Barr for the Life Free of Anxiety podcast. Erica with you. I feel like I come in the same way every time. I'm getting self-conscious now, guys. Okay, today we're talking about the first panic <laughs> attack episode. Sorry, the first panic attack. Well, you don't
1: have to change what works.
0: Oh, thank you. That's so nice. <laughs> um, that's why I keep Dr. Barr around, all those nice compliments. and And a little bit of his mental health expertise, too, I'd say. It's a good combination. Well,
1: I hope there's some of that there.
0: (laughs) There definitely is. Um, You know, I was just we had been talking about on the last episode real quick. I just want to say this about the news that bombards us. And um, as I as I was doing some stuff, I looked down on my watch and there's this scary headline. And I'm thinking, how this isn't fair. I'm not even trying to look at the news right now. And it's on my watch. My Apple watch, so yeah. gotta gotta <laughs> change those notifications because that's not right they they don't have the right to just you know come bombard well, my life like that, you
1: know that that's that's uh, our new technology is so fantastic, <sighs> but it also makes us readily uh, i mean we're we're fodder for their uh, news broadcasts and and for those headlines.
0: it's true so, um, uh, but one. One good thing that I did last week, and this was a good thing. I It was a good thing because it put me in a positive mood after. Um, wh- I watched the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood with the, Tom Hanks. Have you seen that?
1: I have. About uh, Mr. Rogers?
0: I love that movie. I uh-huh. loved it. The, it was such a good time to watch it because the emphasis on other people that Mr. Rogers had and the ability to listen and care and give back and just always just he was just always so interested in other people. And that's if you ever read that book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, that's one of the main things is be interested in other people. And I'd say Mr. Rogers definitely was. And I really that movie put me in a a good mood and it just made me want to share that we need to be watching good things like that right now that make us happy and that make us want to help people because that's that's what's going to get us through this. Mr. Rogers. Is. Well, I, that it,
1: that really is a good, and it's a good break.
0: Yeah, um,
1: it it puts us in a good place, and it's a it's a good break, and it does good things to our insides.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it it uh, gets our endorphins working better, and our it it soothes our insides, and our nervous system just settles down and works better. Mm. So, yes, feel good movies. You know, during um,
0: especially what about during Bob, Christmas always.
1: season, the. <laughs> No, we can leave
0: <laughs> Doctor Barr doesn't like what about Love. You... I'm. I've been. I, that's my next one on my list to watch. Doctor Barr hates that movie, but I'll be watching it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, think of me while you're watching. Doctor Barr doesn't like that. Be. He doesn't like
0: that movie because it hits too close to home. Although he's never been stuck to his lake house in Lake Winnipesaukee. but you're, you're you know, I don't know. Maybe someday. <laughs> Just kidding! I don't wish that on you. Um,
1: no. But uh but okay so if if what about bob is one of your favorite movies however you know this would be a good time to watch that because you'll be laughing and so put on movies that you find funny um movies that are very entertaining to you or uplifting to you those are those are things that would be very very good to do during this time yeah uh, to break help help you break out of uh just feeling pressure at all the time yeah now i don't know about you but um these last well since we've been in stay-at-home mode there there just has been a generalized pressure in society i believe and a generalized anxiety in society that we've all been feeling whether and it's difficult to name because it's so amorphous and so nondescript and we, we can't really put our finger on it I know I have been feeling it as just a general malaise. Mm. And so, you know, it's like I know I have some things that I could do or maybe even should do. It <laughs> certainly would be preferable if I did. Yes. And it's just like eh, I just don't feel like doing it. Yeah. You know? And that's that's not generally like me. And so I know that's one of the ways I have been feeling the generalized stress of our society right now. Right, is is just feeling that that general. I just I don't really want to do those things.
0: They call it grief. So, uh, that's what I read in an article that we're 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 all grieving something we lost, and I think that's kind of our our daily normal routines. It's just it's just a weird loss. Right it has now. become
1: part of it. That's yeah. right. It's it's uh, we've lost uh, the ability to to go out and uh, actually some of that going out was just distraction time, Mm. which is also very helpful for anxiety folks. Yes. So we have to find some other ways to to help deal with that. And so comedy, uh, laughter, that that's a that's a wonderful coping mechanism. It's a good medicine. So
0: it really help yourself
1: laugh if you can.
0: And hopefully we can make you laugh, but I don't know. That's a lot of pressure, so maybe not. That's right. <laughs> well, do- here's
1: here's a, a different subject. You know, it's not a laughing matter, and that is the first panic attack somebody has. Yes. And for many of our listeners who have experienced a, a panic attack, they will know exactly what we're talking about because it seems like that first panic attack just is indelibly imprinted in your memory.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: you can remember it. You remember where you were, what time it was, all kinds of details about it.
0: How unusual and it was for you to feel that afraid, maybe. That's right. Yeah.
1: It it was so frightening and uh it, it just kind of overwhelms your system and it makes a, a permanent marker there.
0: And you had a story, you had something that made a permanent marker for you as a psychologist. What was that? I
1: sure did. So mine was the 87 earthquake, October 4, 1987, uh, at 7.42 in the morning. To be <laughs> not, exact. Not,
0: not that you were looking at the time or know the time. No,
1: <laughs> yeah. That's right. But that's what I mean. You know, you, you remember mm-hmm. details like that. And it was the Whittier earthquake. And... During that earthquake, I I thought I was going out the window.
0: In your chair, Um, right? In your roller chair? You thought you were going to... Because the force was so strong. You thought you were going to go out the window.
1: I was talking on the telephone, and I was facing the window, and was in my, my desk chair that has wheels, and the building really started shaking and rocking, and I thought I was going out the window, and it would have been three stories down where I was.
0: That's terrifying. I mean, that so is didn't very scary. I not want to do that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't think so. Window. You're not like uh going to be caught by Superman or anything if that were no, to happen. That's so right. that's Yeah, that's a, that's so a really scary incident.
1: One of the things I remember is I remember my bookshelves absolutely banging against the wall as as the earthquake was happening. Is this the office uh, you so practice in making, now,
0: by the way? This is your current um, office. Um
1: it's it's the same Uh, It's the same suite. Uh I'm in a different office. uh,
0: Okay. Because you have some big bookshelves in there. The office I
1: was in, yes. I could imagine that. Well, those bookshelves were just slamming into the wall. That takes some strength. uh, Yeah. (laughs) That's scary. I absolutely lost it. Mm -hmm. I had a complete panic attack. Um, And I depersonalized
0: and to so explain I what I depersonalizes very
1: much what that is it's it's like your nervous system becomes so overwhelmed with what is happening and the stimuli that's going on that you just leave it's it's
0: like a dream I can't feeling say kind of. that
1: I had an out of body experience that I've heard other people talk about, but it's just like I just wasn't there anymore Mm. for a
0: while Mm -hmm.
1: so it's it's like being beside yourself or being out of yourself going somewhere else yeah I it was just so frightening to me and terrifying to me that it overwhelmed my system and and my mind just took me somewhere else and it it was to the point that three days later one of the ladies in our office was there and I didn't I have no memory of her being there, and she was talking about seeing me, and I said, well, I don't remember seeing you, and uh, so I asked her, I said, well, where was I? She said, well, you were standing in the doorway, and that gave me great comfort because that is what I'd always told myself I would do if there (laughs) were a big earthquake.
0: Is that still the thing, Um, to stand in the doorway? I th- I thought the door could slam on you now because I know growing up they said stand in the doorway and my dog when I- the house would even shake a little she would stand in the doorway because she saw that we did that in an earthquake. Yes. Uh, but uh-huh. I don't know is that still the thing? I thought it was to get under your desk nowadays. But
1: well, know. it's it's really duck and cover. Yeah, yeah it, it really is get get under something heavy that'll give you some protection and and hold on. Yeah. So so I've ha- I'm I'm trying to retrain myself. But in my office, it's a little hard to get under anything.
0: Well, you have that big old um, desk. (laughs) I have a (laughs) big desk. I would feel safe under that.
1: Yeah, it's hard to get around to it. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, especially (laughs) Uh, If you're on the other
1: side of it. So, But during that, I had increased heart rate like crazy, increased breathing rate like crazy. Definitely, my mind was racing like crazy. The depersonalization was there. I was very, very fearful tremendous fear and that shot of adrenaline was definitely there and boy did I feel it wear off afterwards Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know where I could I could hardly stand up I could you know I just had to sit back down and oh that's good so so that 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 feeling of being weak-kneed is very much there feeling real shaky afterwards uh so all of those kinds of things were there and uh the the fortunate thing for me, and I felt that it, it was fortunate, was that I knew exactly why I felt what I felt. I didn't like what I felt. Yeah, because you're a therapist. At the time. Yeah, in
0: yeah. your therapist office, in uh, your therapist chair. Yeah,
1: that's right. But I I didn't like what I felt. It shook me up. It it caused me to question everything I knew about myself. But at least I knew. What the stimulus was, I knew exactly why I felt what I felt.
0: Unlike me, (laughs) Um,
1: yeah. Well, that's right, and unlike most of the people I work with uh, that have panic uh, disorder and severe anxiety, and that is that it just comes out of the blue, but they're not sure what it is. I was pretty sure what it was. (laughs) It was an earthquake, for sure. Yeah, but
0: but you knew what the symptoms. Even though
1: I knew exactly what it was, I. And I knew what the symptoms were. I've been dealing with uh, panic attacks and people with panic attacks,
0: but not for you yourself. Experienced it all. Yeah, but not Not for for me myself. You had not had a panic attack up until that point. That's right. Which is so interesting because I had had some stress. I was always a little a little bit stressed, but mostly mostly not. Um, But with my story, and I'll just tell it really quick. Was and you can if you want to hear our full stories about our first panic attacks, we have them in, early, in an earlier episode where it says meet Erica Roth, meet Dr. Barr. Um, but I I smoked pot when in my earlier days. I do not smoke uh-huh. pot now. But I did then, okay. and it gave me, you know, I never did well on marijuana, but um, I decided to. This one time got a lot more high than I would have liked, got very, very out of control feeling, um, and ended up not being able to get out of it not get out of feeling high ended up taking sleeping pills just to get out of this like terrible experience Uh and then woke up and felt just totally what you explained. Like not exactly out of my body, but just like I was in a dream, like I was still high. Maybe, I don't know. I just had all these feelings that were awful. And from then on, I was always scanning for danger in the room I smelled marijuana. I was terrified. I never touched it again, never looked at it again. It just had a very bad effect on me. Um, Yes. So from there on, just didn't understand my symptoms, unlike you, and thought that I was crazy. And so built from there. And then I know when I, when we both discussed our our panic attack stories. And when I first met you, you said that I had had a long history of stress build up and that was my big first panic attack. So I, at this point I knew something, there was like a turning point in my anxiety. I knew that it was this day. I knew it was about this time of the day. I, you know, I knew all those details, but I didn't know that basically what I didn't know was that I had been building a bunch of stress leading up to that big panic attack. And you told me that if I hadn't, if it hadn't come out that way with marijuana, it was bound to come out some other way because I had built up all the stress, and I—that was very—that right. was very interesting to me. I'd never heard that before.
1: Yes, that, that you were under stress and you were experiencing a, a buildup of stress that you weren't acknowledging, and
0: and it's like a volcano, you
1: weren't even aware of necessarily. Yeah. That's right. You know, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back kind of thing. Mm Yes. You know, it's like, okay, that was the thing that pushed it over the edge. Well, it's very interesting uh, because a lot of the people that I work with, uh, and that's one of the questions I ask, is do you remember the first panic attack? And Mm. uh, a lot of them can say, yes, here's what happened on the very first panic attack. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, the two gals that uh, started this, the change program that we use, they both can remember their first panic attack. Yeah. So in the program, they described that as well. You know, what was their first panic attack and what was that like for them Mm -hmm. and what did they think was happening?
0: And what happened from then after? You always kind of felt a little scared, didn't you?
1: And you're always hypervigilant, waiting for it, watching for it.
0: Yes you feel like you've gone crazy, or you might be just, it might be all of these, you might feel really disturbed that you had it or embarrassed by your new feelings and the things that now scare you that didn't before. Like I was a great flyer that's before right. I never thought anything of of flying before my first panic attack. But after my first, uh-huh. after that panic attack, I didn't want to be enclosed anymore. I didn't want to be claustrophobic. I didn't want to be in a situation where I couldn't escape because that's what happened to me? I was in a situation I couldn't escape. Right when I um, yes. was under uh-huh. the influence, basically. So, but what what are some of the things that your clients tell you? Like what what are the situations that they're in? I've heard about people being in an airplane and then they were and they were never afraid of flying, but that's when their big panic attack happened, or they were going over a bridge that they were never well, afraid actually, of. Actually, yes, is this common?
1: Well, um, I mean, it is common and. You know, interesting talking about flying uh, because stewardesses end up, you know, that, uh, excuse me, that's an old word, flight attendants.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I knew what you meant. (laughs) Uh, (laughs)
1: uh, But flight attendants sometimes will have that happen as well, you know, where, okay, this is their job, they're flying, living, but then one day in the plane, they end up having a panic attack and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, they're having a really hard time being in the plane and and Oof, doing their job. Tough. Yeah, you're you've commuted to work all this time, and you have a panic attack in your car, and all of a sudden, that commute that you always made suddenly becomes very very difficult, and mm-hmm. maybe even maybe you even quit making it uh, because you get so anxious. How many times have you been to the grocery store and done the family shopping, and you're standing in line to check out, but you have a panic attack while you're there standing in line and suddenly you can't stand in line anymore, Mm. whether it's at the grocery store or the pharmacy or even checking out a a clothing store or, you know, it's like, it just starts disrupting your life. So it literally can be anywhere. Yeah. And it usually is just some place that you usually are. It usually isn't because you're doing something like skydiving
0: yeah you right. would
1: expect yourself to be panicky and anxious when you're skydiving mm-hmm. and when you live through it you're thrilled when you're at the bottom
0: yeah <laughs> a, you did it but on you're purpose you're thrilled when
1: yeah. that's right you're not you're not thrilled after a panic attack because you don't know what it was right you don't know what triggered it you're not sure what just happened to you mm-hmm. you know it was awful and certainly, if you end up experiencing that uh, depersonalization kind of feeling, you really do think that you're losing your mind.
0: Yeah, it's
1: uh, very scary. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm going to have to go to the hospital because something terrible just happened. And you may have even taken yourself to the emergency room when you had that, ta- that first panic attack because you thought something terrible was happening and you thought you might be dying and it's it's that frightening and you know the doctors give you a complete workup and they come in and say to you well we think you we can't find anything wrong so we think you probably had a panic attack yeah but it's you know saying the word panic attack just doesn't make it sound serious enough to have caused all of those terrible feelings
0: yeah and it sounds like a one time occurrence trust me, too it does yeah, it sounds like, okay, you had a panic attack, and but it's like, well, yeah, but if you had that huge panic attack, what's going to happen from there is you're going to probably have a lot more. You're always going to feel nervous, right? It's not like you have that panic attack and you, life goes on. It's like you have that panic attack that's and right. every, suddenly everything has changed. That's that's a terrifying feeling.
1: Well, and sometimes everything does go back to normal for a while hmm. until you have the second panic attack. Okay. And and I've even had a couple of people that they they even weathered the first two, but when the third hit, then it was like, oh my gosh, yeah, the world crumbled.
0: Right. And for me and for you, it just took one so, time, <laughs> right? It just, that's right. Yeah. I mean, we're it just one time once. people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of nice. I, I don't think I'd want to have to have gone through that three times, but... Um. Anyways, there's
1: a learning theorist named Tolman, and uh, we're kind of poster children for his theory of one-time learning. So it took one time and it got imprinted pretty, pretty well. Oh, my
0: gosh. I will never forget that. And so can you explain the breakdown of kind of if somebody has because somebody might have had their panic attack recently, their first one? How... Can you explain the overload of stress that they might, what what that might look like? I mean, I think there's some things in there like life changes, right? Like a new baby or just a move. Um,
1: Or you may have, that's right, you may have moved, uh, had a recent move. You just started school or you just finished school. You started a new job. Um, Maybe you've had a lot of company and that's a good stress, but it's still stress. Uh, Company, company, having company is stressful.
0: It is stressful, and it depends who's who's coming over. But and you love it, (laughs) yeah.
1: And you and you have a good time with them. But if they're staying with you and and you've had company, that's very stressful.
0: Or sometimes a sick relative moves in. That's very stressful on people.
1: It can be caring for a loved one. If you're a caregiver, yeah, that's right. If you're a caregiver, that's that's right up there with them. That's Mm -hmm. one of the high high ones. Yeah, um, but you may also be having job problems, or you may have been sick. You know, we're talking about coronavirus, so in this this time, so you may have been sick, and our society doesn't make room for people to be sick and, until this. Yeah, and you know, even with the flu, you're to take Theraflu and get on with life. Right. So surgery is another one. We oftentimes think, well, uh, gee, I had this major surgery, but they let me out the next day, or maybe even that day you had it on an outpatient basis. But surgery, surgery absolutely drains your reserve. And so you've got to allow yourself time to heal and to build up your reserve again. You know, you think, oh, well, it's been a week since I had that major surgery. I should be able to go out and do this or that. And you get up and you take a shower and you get ready. And just by the time you take a shower, you're ready for a nap again. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about is, is like it drains your reserve. You don't you don't have anything to draw on. Yeah. So you've got to give yourself time to do that. And if you don't, you you can violate your body up to a certain point and then your body just kind of goes on a sit-down strike and says, no, I'm not going to let you do that to me anymore. Right. You're not listening. I need a rest. Um,
0: Needing a rest was such a new concept to me that your body needs a rest. I remember when I first heard that, I was like, huh? I mean, does you want me to lie down? Right. What do you want me to do? You want me to do yoga for 30? What does that mean? I need a rest. And And yes. what I found was very irritating, (laughs) the the fact when I found out that if I had given my body a rest soon after my panic attack, my first big panic attack, I could have regulated myself a lot easier and gotten better a lot sooner. But of course, back, you know, the many years ago, I didn't have any of that information. And so now I had continued being in a dysregulated state after my first big panic attack, only getting more and more anxious as the years went by. So if right. you've had your panic attack recently, there's, I mean, you're in a good place to start doing these relaxation exercises that we have at lifefreeofanxiety.com relax, because that's what we mean when we say give your body a rest. In Let there? your body
1: relax. But you, I mean, yes. if
0: you've had your panic attack 20 years ago, well, that's fine too. These are still going to work on you. It's just, if you've had it more recently, um, now is a great time to intervene. But if you've had it and ever, you know, these relaxation exercises are really going to make a difference. What else do you think makes a difference?
1: If, and if you've, if you've been struggling with this for 20 years, um, I'm so sorry that it's taking you so long to find something that will be effective because yeah. uh, that's such a long time to, to deal with, with this disorder and to put up with these kinds of feelings. So I really do want to encourage you and give you hope that there is something that will work and will be helpful in giving you relief
0: Definitely. Um,
1: so that you don't have to just white knuckle it and go through it. Um, yeah, there's there's hope and there's help.
0: Is there anything you recommend outside of the relaxation exercises um, for for this? How about our change program? <laughs> I recommend that. Well, that's how we got say, over this. <laughs> uh,
1: that's right. I, I was going to say, well, that's that's the first thing. You know, the first two things I would say would be get off of caffeine
0: mm-hmm. and
1: find a way to start relaxing your body whether it's with our, with my relaxation audio or one of the relaxation apps that is, that are uh, out there, there are a number of good ones where they're doing relaxation exercises and uh, doing meditations and things like that. But find some way to be able to calm your system, just just slow your system down and calm your system. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I, I would recommend the Change Program. That's the program that you and I both used, and I used it first, and then you got to use it.
0: How uh, many? How many I clients helped, have you walked got through? Have to help you. Because you walked me through that. How many clients? It's not just me. I mean, you've you've done this. Oh, with no. people for how long and how? Long?
1: I, you know, I don't I don't know the exact number, but I would. It's in the hundreds anyway.
0: Hundreds. You've um, seen hundreds of people have relief from this program yes. when done properly and when they put in the effort. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's right. So it's not just me guys. (laughs) And there's, and and Uh, outside of Dr. Barr's office, there are many, 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 many more, many more. There
1: are Uh, many. Yeah. The last estimate that I heard was that there's been at least a couple of hundred thousand that have gone through the program. Wow. In the time that it has existed. And so there's a lot of people out there that have used the program and been successful with it. And, have changed their lives with it, and uh, we we want to make people aware of it that it's there and it still works. And yeah, it's, it's held still up because
0: you you continue and to held
1: up over time. You
0: continue to educate yourself as a therapist, and and you believe that this is still all relevant information. I I know Kyle was just looking through it and saying that this is this is just this has never aged. This is just still an amazing information. He was just saying that right now and. Uh, well, was... you
1: see, um, when when you find uh, stuff that works, and, and I think that's part of why this program works so well and has held up so well, is mm-hmm. uh, it was really developed by therapists and clients together with what works, what worked for them, what was effective. And so they took this effective treatment, and it it ends up looking like it's timeless treatment, yeah uh, and it's held up well through all the the research uh that has gone on since this program came into being and um I think this program was probably ahead of itself when if I think about it that way oh definitely uh it was one of the first of its kind, and it's it's just held up very well to scrutiny and to research and so in the way I describe it is uh, it's timeless, effective treatment. Mm. It's what works,
0: you know, and truth,
1: truth always holds up over time. Yeah. And so uh, that's, that's part of what makes me feel so good about the program is it has held up well. And I feel like it is true. And uh, we've got a very valuable thing to offer to people. So, so we'll be talking more about that in the future and, and, hoping people can come on
0: board with us on that. Yeah, we're working really hard on that and that should we're going to have some good resources out actually pretty soon. Um and then the entire program available in the near future. We are working uh, we're working on updating an already great program that works. We're just making right. it even better for you guys, so look out for that. That's right. All right. Yeah. We will talk to you guys next time. And remember, you can get that relaxation audio at com slash relaxed. If you have any questions you want to reach out to us, Facebook or um, Instagram, lifefreeofanxiety or Erica at lifefreeofanxiety.com. Shoot me any of your questions and I, I can always ask Dr. Barr what he thinks. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. we will talk to you yeah. next time.
1: All right. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope that something in today's conversation provided you with a feeling of hope, determination, or purpose. I know what you're going through. And that's why I want to give you some of the tools that helped me in my anxiety journey. To get your free copy of Dr. Barr's Relaxation Audio that helped change my life forever, just go to lifefreeofanxiety.com slash relax. Thanks again for listening, and remember, you are not broken, you are not alone, and you are on your way to living a life free of anxiety. See you next week. Before you go, I wanted to give you one last reminder to discover your anxiety profile at lifefreeofanxiety.com profile. Going forward, we really think this should be the starting point for everyone's anxiety journey. Once you're done, once you're done, you'll probably wonder how we could learn so much from just a few questions. It really is amazing. What you don't see is behind the scenes, your responses are compared to what we've learned from helping over 200,000 people just like you reverse their anxiety over the past 40 years. It's a data-backed assessment with real insights. I promise it's worth 90 seconds of your time and it's totally free. Just click the link in the show notes or head to com slash profile and I'll talk to you again soon.